Lawyers have a preponderance for being perfectionists. And the piece of advice that I've always, it's a mantra I repeat to myself most days, is good enough. Like you can do, you can be working on something for as long as you want, but just get to the point where you can tell yourself, right, that's good enough. I can get rid of that now. Um, because otherwise you just end up in a sort of mire of overthinking, stuff getting on top of you. And then doing that thing where you reread an email when you sent it, all that sort of stuff. I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of the people who are happiest are people who just don't care about that sort of thing. Welcome back to The Crafty Show. For those of you who haven't listened before, The Crafty Show is Crafty Council's podcast focusing on the career journeys of in-house lawyers. Crafty Council is on a mission to spread joy, insight and connection for in-house legal professionals. And we host online and in-person events. In the latest season of the podcast, we spoke to several lawyers with fascinating career stories. We spoke to a former Olympic fencer and learned that no matter how successful you are, even the best lawyers can suffer from imposter syndrome. We explored how dyslexic thinking can be a great strength for a lawyer and can assist in the problem-solving part of the job. We discovered the charitable causes members of Crafty Council's community are passionate about and give their time to as trustees. We even learned from in-house lawyers who support SaaS and blockchain companies and spoke about crypto and the metaverse. With season two of the podcast coming to an end, we pulled together the wisdom our interviewee shared with us. We asked whether there was any advice they had been given that they still use. For Ben Eastham, Senior Legal Counsel for Databricks, his advice is simple. Do something you enjoy. Yeah, you really have to enjoy what you do. If you're going to be successful at what you do, you've got to enjoy it. Work should be fun. 100%. I've absolutely had people say that, and um, and it's so true. If you're doing something you don't enjoy, go and find something you do enjoy. It makes life so much better. The devil is in the details for Ben's colleague, Max Garth, the Senior Counsel and Director of Legal EMEA at Databricks. For me, and it's a very, very simple one, but it is the attention to detail. People expect it. And so you should in this profession. You really have to have that eye for detail. And you're dealing with, you know, crazy volumes of work, all lawyers are, and whatever their practice area is. But that attention to detail never goes amiss. You really need to focus on what you're doing. And there's key people that have taught taught me that throughout my entire career. You know, uh, Richard Harris and, and John Mays at Robert Walters and then Frank Egan at DocuSign and Benedict here at, at Databricks, you learn from those individuals and, and they all have their own individual way of working, but they really do hammer home the basics and the key fundamentals of, of, of being a good lawyer and being able to give good advice. And then also, you know, sort of getting the advice that I would give is also get your personal brand out there. Lots of lawyers are faceless, as I sort of mentioned earlier. And, you know, perhaps some people will want to or won't want to, but get yourself out there. Don't be afraid to go and put yourself out on a video or a talk track or do an event or talk at an event or something. Because actually, that's a really useful way to progress your career other than just being good at what you do. And I, you know, this is a very basic sort of element of advice. But if you get yourself out there within an organization, you'd be surprised how quickly people really want to reach out to you and be involved with you, talk to you, etc. For Emma Norman, who is the Senior Legal Counsel at Invesco, her short and sweet advice centers around not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good learn what good enough looks like and aim for that. Sebastian Goldsmith, the general counsel of Medigold Health, echoes Emma Norman's advice about learning what good enough looks like. For me, and actually yeah, this, this came to the fore a lot after I discovered I was dyslexic, and I think lawyers have a preponderance for being perfectionists. And the piece of advice that I've always, it's a mantra I repeat to myself most days, is good enough. Like you can do, you can be working on something for as long as you want, but 
just get to the point where you can tell yourself, right, that's good enough. I can get rid of that now. Um, because otherwise you just end up in a sort of mire of overthinking stuff, getting on top of you. And then doing that thing where you reread an email when you sent it, all that sort of stuff. I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of the people who are happiest are people who just don't care about that sort of thing. And I think we, as a professional, have, you know, are quite bad at self-reflection and perhaps a bit of imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff. And I think, yeah, good enough. Just, just say it's good enough and then move on to the next thing. Genevieve Landricum, a legal transformation director, advises that people should have a spreadsheet of positive feedback to look back at, especially when they're having a bad day. Everybody, you included Ben, should have uh, on your computer an Excel spreadsheet that includes all criticism. And that means positive as well. So at the end of the month, you can look back and see all of the positive criticism that you have received. And when you've had a bad day, and maybe on a second tab, you can have the other criticism, the development criticism. But when you're having a bad day, and when you think the world is going against you, or you're not, you feel like you're not doing a really good job, go back and look at that positive work. Atik Ahmed, head of legal at Marco Polo Network, focuses on the importance of adopting the right mindset and not allowing setbacks to get you down. It's basically mindset, right? So you talk about growth mindset, and I've alluded to this in, in this podcast as well. It comes through difficult moments, okay? That life is not always peachy and rosy and happy. That's not that's not what life is. Your work is not going to be that way. Your life isn't going to be that way. Somewhere you have to try and find a way to dig deep and hard through those difficult moments. If you can, if you can do that and find your way through, and I understand person to person, situation to situation, experience to experience, it's, it's difficult and it's hard. But ultimately, if you can find your way through those moments, you'll get to the happier places that you want to be. So always have that goal, that end goal in mind, and always believe in yourself and your own mission and what you're seeking to achieve and be self-aware. You're not perfect. You need to, and I use it myself. I'm not perfect. I, I can improve. I can be better. And I think like that all the time, constantly. The biggest guardian or the biggest risk, sorry, that I have is to guard against my own complacency, right? Because I never, I'm, and, and this is a mental struggle with me just generally anyway, I never want to feel comfortable or complacent. So, you know, I've constantly got to keep my mind engaged and doing something. And that's a mental challenge. But like I said, I said it before in earlier in this podcast, stars don't shine without darkness. That's the, uh, that's a mantra of sorts. Sam Lester, director and senior legal counsel at TD Securities, keeps a book filled with advice and lessons he learned. One important piece of advice he received and still uses is around changing how often he says sorry. I have to say I keep a dusty book with with, with, with some of those as well, um, just because, yeah, I, I just think you hear so many over the years and, and they do stick with you, the really good ones. Every day I hear ones that are... One I had um, just the other week, actually, I thought it was so, such a small win and such a neat one I, that I, I thought I'd probably offer up. And it was changing. I don't know about you, but, you know, if, if you, you don't happen to see an email or you respond late to something or you get something wrong, for me, as a lawyer, and then you add on top the fact that I'm English, like, the de facto is always to apologise and say, sorry for the delay or sorry I got that wrong. And I think it's just just taking that word sorry and just changing the narrative a little bit in terms of how you respond and you know so now I always make a conscious effort if I've if I've been a bit late with responding to something rather than saying sorry for the delay I always try and change it to thank you for your patience or something similar and for me it may have no effect on my counterpart it's still cordial but it just changes the whole narrative in my head helps me not beat myself up just a little bit I think it also 
claws back a little bit of mental space and and it also it changes the dynamic a little bit where we don't always have to be those sort of service providers at the beck and call um so i guess that's one and i've started talking so i'll I'll continue until you tell me to stop talking i guess um another thing i think important is is to say that it's okay that that it's okay to say that you don't know again it comes back to that fallacy that i had as a junior that saying i didn't know meant that I was somehow stupid or not qualified to do the job. I've learned from superiors over the years, it's okay to say you don't know, that you're going to find out and that you're going to come back with the answer. Are you going to try and come back with the answer? You know, more often than not, there's at least one other person that feels feels that way or obviously doesn't know, but frankly was too embarrassed to say so, waiting for you to take the lead. And I also think that, you know, as I said, I think leaders should 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 say this more. It could be incredibly liberating for those underneath them and it breaks down barriers. So, uh, yeah. I think I think those two. Uh, I'll add a three uh, just to round it off. Yeah, I think you. Uh, I'm. All, I always surprise myself in how I know more than I think I do. But also, even more importantly, like than that, I think I think it's important to realise that I don't know everything and that I need to withhold judgment on situations and, and not take anything for granted. Um, I think if you can try and strike that balance, you end up more or less in the right place. So, top tips for the day. When Alex O'Connell, the head of legal and company secretary at Fevertree, first went in-house, he found something an interviewer said very useful. She contrasted the possible career trajectories of those who built their entire career in private practice versus those who work in in-house legal teams. I really liked some advice I got from FTSE 100 general counsel who didn't hire me, who said, I think this is the one job I didn't get. This was not the insurance job. This was a different one. The one job I didn't get where I really thought this could be a good one. And she interviewed me and she said, we're talking about, this is when I was moving straight out of practice. And she said, a private practice career is 2D. Like You know where you're going. You know what the goal is because it's quite obvious. And you can see everyone who's a year ahead of you, three years ahead of you, five years ahead of you. And there's something quite comforting in that. And the end, or at least the, the next stage gate or whatever you know roughly where it is and what is beyond it is probably quite appealing because it's some combination of seniority prestige and remuneration right whereas you move in-house or frankly you leave do anything that's not in private practice and it immediately becomes 3d which is you can kind of turn in any direction and you don't really know what direction you're going to turn or what opportunities are going to arise and some people would much rather have the... There are lots of reasons why people stay in practice and there are lots of reasons why people leave and mine will be very different to the next person in the street. But for me, that really struck a chord in terms of, actually, I know I don't want to be 10 rungs up this ladder. Therefore, why do I want to be three rungs up this ladder? Like, if I don't want to be where the end game is in, in the kind of practice situation, then let's find something else. And I found that that like a very appealing way of thinking about it. Clearly, it was a metaphor dreamt up by someone who had a successful in-house career because <laughs> it made in-house seem more interesting than private practice. But yeah, and then I think, you know, when I, when I changed jobs last year, I thought about that quite a bit as well. And this wasn't like something I wasn't expecting to move this quickly. I thought I would stay at ABM for quite a while, to be honest. So that as a, this, this came as kind of a curveball and it's like a super interesting opportunity, but yeah, not, not one I was dreaming up. I don't know when I, I did the interview process early summer last year. So let's say in the spring, I was not really assuming that I would have a new job by October, but yeah, sometimes you kind of don't know what direction you're going to go. And I find sort of some comfort in, in thinking about it like that. And I think it, it makes me like the idea of my career more. So, yeah, I'd love for someone in private practice to tell me their version of events, which is, I don't know, 4D plays 3D or something like that. But um, for me, it, yeah, for, for me, it, it, it helps me sleep at night. It makes me think positively about my career. 
Pathgill was the head of legal for the Asia-Pacific region based in Singapore at the now-defunct German fintech company Wirecard. Pav uncovered widespread fraud at the financial services provider and became a whistleblower. In 2018, Pav was forced out of the company after his efforts to conduct an internal investigation were thwarted. He then went to the media. Pav shared what advice he would give to in-house lawyers who find themselves in similar circumstances. Yeah, I think if something's too good to be true, it probably is. And I just can't say that enough. It applies very much in the startup world, which I've been heavily involved in in the last few years, especially financial services. I think if something is really like if you look at Wirecard, it, it was just too good to be true. And it was. So if something appears that way, don't dismiss that notion um, and actually find out why. Is there a substantive reason for it? Or is it just a dream or some form of a, a sham? Harpreet Kaur Mangat, in-house counsel at Sony Interactive Entertainment PlayStation, still remembers advice given to her by a teacher about having a strong handshake. When I was like about 10 years old, our my old headmaster um, at Springwell um, Junior School, one of the first things he always said to us was, you've got to make a good first impression. Like that's the start of your relationship with anyone. And he was like, you, you've got to have a good handshake. So he would he would shake all our hands. He would tell us if we weren't shaking, like if our shake was too limp or if it was too hard or or whatever. Like he would he would really be like, no, you need to practice your handshake um, and then make a good impression and look people in the eye when you do it. Um, so that's something that I still think about. And and every interview, every interview I've been to, like that thought, that bit of advice just comes back because it, it's. It is. It's true. It's the very beginning of a relationship with somebody, and you you want to look people in the eye. You want to you know establish trust and kind of start start something good. So yeah, good handshake. For Emma Haywood, Associate General Counsel at Babylon, the best advice is to be yourself. The best piece of advice I've received that I still use and that I've carried with me in my career is really simple. It's just be yourself. One of my teachers said this to me just before I went up to Cambridge as a really nervous London state school student. I knew I was going into an environment where there would be very few people who looked like me or shared my experiences. And I worried a lot about fitting in. And then as it happens, I've since ended up being in a lot of rooms where I'm the only one or the first. And that simple advice has really stood me in good stead. You know, I don't try to live up to someone else's vision of what a lawyer is, whatever that may be. I do things my own way. And that kind of follows me in what I do. And you could say it's a kind of guiding principle for how I manage my career and my life, really. Please subscribe to the podcast, The Crafty Show. And we'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions about lawyers you would like to hear interviewed in future episodes.